If you or someone you know is looking for reliable legal assistance in the Caribbean, look no further than Caribbean Legal Solutions, your ultimate connection to trustworthy attorneys across the Caribbean. So whether you're a Caribbean residing in the U.S., Canada, the U.K., or anywhere else in the world, they connect you with reliable attorneys based in your home country. Their extensive vetting process and network ensure a peace of mind and accountability. Need help with land ownership, estate matters, or maybe even a local referral here in the U.S.? Their team bridges the gap, reducing your workload and providing you with vetted attorneys for virtually any legal matter. Caribbean Legal Solutions is your reliable partner for legal needs, both local and abroad. Visit CaribbeanLegalSolutions.com or call them today. This podcast ad contains general information about Caribbean Legal Solutions and it's not intended as legal advice. Always consult with a qualified attorney for legal advice specific to your situation. You're listening to Carry On Friends, the Caribbean American podcast, episode 89. Welcome to the Carry On Friends podcast, where you'll be inspired and empowered to do amazing things in your personal lives, career, business, and community with your host, Carrie Ann Reed Brown. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Carry On Friends podcast. I am so excited to have our guest on the show. His name is Ravi Ramkisun. Ravi, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh, my God. I'm excited about this topic. Um, so, Ravi, why don't you tell the community of friends a little bit about who you are? So, my name is Ravi Ramkisun. I'm the founder and CEO of a tech startup called Find My Fans. And what Find My Fans is, is essentially a data analytics tool focused at the music industry. So what that means is artists generate a lot of data online through social media, through streaming. And just, they just don't have the skills or expertise to understand what to do with that data. So we're using all of, all of these data sets, combining them. And for each artist around the world, automatically, we'll be presenting that data on an interactive map. Okay, why is that important? It's because um, most artists anywhere, big or small, don't have access or don't understand where their fan bases are located. They just kind of go with the flow, understand where they're being played and kind of are reactive um, when it comes to where they're being booked. And bookings are really important as it's the primary re primary revenue generator in the music industry today. So what we've been able to prove um, by doing the hard data analytics is that artists big and small, were, we were able to find pocket fan activity in countries and cities all around the world where they didn't know previously existed. And that really translates to revenue. And what we'll be doing in the future is kind of facilitating those links. So because an artist now that's based in, I don't know, Trinidad, where I'm from, um, they could find out they have a fan base in Dubai and we'd be able to show them that and display that. And they'll be able to see that for themselves. We'd also be able to facilitate bookings with venues in that location. And that isn't, that isn't specific to the Caribbean music world, but really artists in K-pop or Latin music or really jazz or anywhere in the world. So we're really excited about um, the path ahead. Awesome. Awesome. So in that you slid that you're from Trinidad. So what inspired you to start this app or okay. um, build this company? Were so, you listening so, to Michelle one day and you were like, what Michelle doing? I'm just messing, but no, that's exactly how it happened. Really? I'm going to tell you the story. So, so Soka music. And I was a big fan of Soka. Um, um, for many, many years now. And about five years ago, four or five years ago, I was actually in Montreal with a cousin of mine and I was listening to the song Mr. Fett, right? Mm -hmm. And I kept listening to it and a question kept bothering me. Like, I knew 
obviously everybody knows Marshall in the Caribbean world, but I just knew that song, you know, I'd never heard it on, uh, on, you know, mainstream radio in the U S and, and I knew I never probably would, or, or I didn't suspect I would. And that led me on to this question. Um, you know, why is that? Why is it that some great music by any measure, how come that doesn't get to the ears of the listeners? And I kind of just pulled on that string. Um, uh, and about a year later, I said, you know what? This question has been with me for a very long time. I'm going to take a stab at answering it. And um, after a couple of years of kind of learning the music industry from a lot of different vantage points, right? Sync and licensing and, and you know, what goes into music production and a lot of different a lot of different, and obviously the business side, because I have a business background and the tech background. Um, and I kind of just, it was really just a hobby. Flash, flash forward about two years later, um, I, a friend of mine introduced me to Bungie Garland, and we had kind of did some data work um, um, to present to him. And it turns out that he had fans in Venezuela and Germany. And that kind of was, and, and that was, a, he was a major artist. Right. Um, I think he had just won the Soul Train Award, which was a really big deal for a Caribbean artist. And, 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 and I remember being in that meeting and we were sitting in his office in Trinidad uh, along with Fayan. And I, I was sort of kind of surprised a little bit. And this is before I even thought about doing an app um, that, you know, a big artist like this, you know, he doesn't have a full understanding of where his fans are located. And I just thought that maybe that was more prevalent everywhere and it turns out that that was true so the next year back in 2016 i said i'm gonna i'm gonna actually do this as as a career i just don't know what it's going to be but i know i have a tech background so i kind of trained myself in, I, and i got trained um at, at mit as well which is a, a excellent excellent um, school tra- yeah um and they were able to kind of help me to kind of piece this all together because it wasn't just about understanding the music industry and understanding what the flaws are and, you know, you have to pull those flaws together and still build a product that addresses that those flaws. So that's what Find My Fans really became was just, OK, so how do you go from an artist, you know, even if you're a smaller artist that's trying to generate revenue? Well, we can analyze the app is going to analyze your data that, that currently exists from the, your different social media platforms and, and streaming platforms and identified fan bases and then another but that's not good enough right because giving you information is, is not enough right you still need to know what to do, do with, with that it, or have a yeah. pathway yeah so then after that it kind of like okay the next the next step is to really facilitate bookings which which equals revenue mm-hmm. and so it was sort of like an organic approach from just having this question on as you said a marshall song mm-hmm. uh, and then kind of a couple of years later you know meeting with bungie and um then that kind of provided um you know the the kind of inspiration points that kind of led me down this path so it was really just a slow burn uh, and now we're getting ready to launch later this year. Um, and, and there is a lot of excitement, not just in the Caribbean world where I'm tied into, but, you know, in the in the tech world as well. Um, uh, and that's that's really interesting because you have to bridge those two gaps because right now we're at the crossroads of, you know, high tech and also music, which is a really exciting space. And, you know, there's only there's really you know, in, in, in an app form like this. There's not really one company that does all these things. And it, it'll be. Our goal is to get it to be as easy as calling an Uber. Wow. Um, so wow. so we're, we want the app to do all the work, and that's why there's so much thinking around it. And, um, and that's, I, think, I, think, I think that's a misconception that people have when they say app. Like, I feel a little bit offended sometimes, you know, because anybody can make an app, but it's really the thought process is, okay, 
There are these million problems that happen. How do you do all the work on the back end and design something that essentially in two clicks you call a taxi? Right. Um, just really moving your thumb twice, right? That is as efficient as it gets. But um, And then, of course, you have to build and scale a company beyond the app. Right. Um, and that's kind of what we're... Um, what we're trying to do and why it, t- it really does take a while um, if you want to do something that's really going to change the industry. Absolutely. You have to kind of put all that work in. Absolutely. So you've said a lot there and I'm, I'm very excited. You know, before you got on the call, you're like exciting times ahead. And, and, and I, <laughs> I mean, it's really exciting um, because of your love for soca artists. You're listening to Marshall and Bungie, like two of the biggest artists out there. Yes. And, you know, them using, you know, you seeing like a, a problem that they have. And, you know, we, as a, another Caribbean person, whether it's soca or dancehall, we feel like, man, these are really great songs. And how are more people listening to this? And, you know, it comes in where, you know, there's been a lot of conversations about, you know, Drake and, you know, certain songs or his influences. And what happens is, you know, people then associate, you know, parts of the Caribbean music culture with a mainstream artist and not the original artist. So I think, you know, I see how this app and the artists um, knowing where their audience is, you know, can help them become a little bit more visible because right now, based on what you're saying, music is still played by the old radio method. Um, sure. And so this is kind of putting more control in the hands of the artists and their, their team. So, um, because the podcast is all about, you know, empowering or, you know, for a Caribbean Americans. So how can Caribbean, the Caribbean music entertainment entrepreneurs, and when I mean entrepreneurs, you know, basketball is not only about the players on the court. There's a whole bunch of other people that yes. make up the NBA. So when you think of Caribbean music and the, you know, our Caribbean entertainment entrepreneurs, you're thinking producers, you're thinking um, you know, songwriters, you're talking a whole bunch of other people that make the whole industry. How, how can they be better at leveraging not just your tool, but, you know, technology and data as a whole and not just rely on the old model of doing things? Let's take a quick break. Want to include your property in Jamaica in your U.S. will? Need to close the bank account you opened back home all those years ago? Skip the guesswork and let the Caribbean Legal Solutions team of experienced professionals take care of your legal needs. With Caribbean Legal Solutions, you get the peace of mind that only vetted and accountable legal experts can offer. Learning that you have a legal issue abroad can be stressful. Finding an attorney to help shouldn't be. Visit CaribbeanLegalSolutions.com or call them today to find the dependable legal support you need. This podcast ad contains general information about Caribbean legal solutions and is not intended as legal advice. Always consult with a qualified attorney for legal advice specific to your situation. So uh, you said a lot there and there's so, so many pieces I'll, I'll touch on. I'll hopefully I remember all of them. So you, you, you use the word control yeah. and that's what this is about, right? This is also about a tool that will empower people to do something that they didn't have the skill sets to do. Because we're, you know, not every small artist, not even bigger artists have data analytics expertise, right? Um, so, so, and they shouldn't, you know, if, you, if you're a great singer, you know, you shouldn't have a background in data analytics, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like expecting me or you to be an expert pianist, right? Just for <laughs> right. no reason. Yes. So, so that's kind of what we decided to do here is that we'll give, we'll, we'll create this tool and the tool 
when when all the bells and whistles are added, we feel that this is going to be like an entire marketing and booking department in the pockets of every artist around the world, right? And I'm not talking about big or small. I'm talking about the ones that are just getting started that really need this the most. Right. Um, and, and it takes a lot of the quote-unquote grinding out of um, the game because it's the music industry is heavy, heavily relationship-based. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be a tool that helps facilitate those relationships or helps bypass those relationships because when it's relationship-based, the older guard always gets preference right so Mm -hmm. this is about evening the playing field um but when it gets to when it gets to um what artist producers and all that can do okay um that's a that's a really tough question and and in advance of creating this i also did a pilot program to when i was new to this with you know major and minor artists and songwriters and performers that were predominantly Caribbean based to kind of find out what the problems they were having were. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of where a lot of this information understanding comes from is through that pilot program several years back. Um, there is, I think, you know, there is a lack of like a quote unquote business talent mm-hmm. um, in, in the Caribbean. Right. So there's, I mean, we're great in sports. We're great in the arts. Um, but the business talent specifically as it applies to the music industry is just kind of not really, I don't want to say non-existent to, 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 um, to diminish anyone, but it's certainly not up to par mm-hmm. and, and certainly not in, in quantity with the actual artists themselves. Um, and that's a problem. But I do think that taking control of the business side is very important. You don't have to be an expert on royalties. You don't have to be an expert in sync and you don't have to have all the relationships. But one of the things that I did that kind of helped me really early on in the beginning was I took advantage of a lot of free courseware, right? So um, there, there are sites like, um, you know, there are different sites that you could, you know, just Google and look at videos and what you need to think about, right? Um, um, what you need to think about in the full scope of your career or your music career or your mm-hmm. songwriting career or your production career and really view yourself as an entrepreneur. Um, and I don't think a lot of people do that. I think no. they pro- focus more on the arts and not the science, the right brain and not the left brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard Quincy Jones talk about that you need to have both. And that really is the truth. It's not just about talent. It's about you know the, the, the tactics as well. And that's uh, why and I- for this episode, it was intentional that I say, uh, entertainment entrepreneurs. I yes. didn't say musicians. Yes. You know, it was very- right, and and that's a great way of putting it. And I've always said that I don't see like in, in working with musicians and people in the music industry, and being also in my my field, the high tech field. I really don't see any difference between my journey and theirs because you have this idea of what you want for yourself and your business, and you have to try to get there. And the space in between is how you get there. And, and, you know, the systems in place where we, you know, in high tech, we have incubators and accelerators in the music industries where there are record labels and, and marketing people. And you still need to build a team around yourself mm-hmm. and you have to build that team based on what your flaws are. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I, you know, it's, it's like the parallels are it's identical. And I've always I've come to believe that the original form of entrepreneurship, at least in this phase that we're in now, you know, it's it's the same thing as as those in the high tech startup world. Yeah. Um, so but but do everybody does everybody know that? I don't think so, because there's so many more resources built around high tech because it's supposed to be a revenue generator, a big time revenue generator. Mm-hmm. And that isn't there in terms of education, training and just understanding the full scope of what goes into creating a career. And I'm sure if Marshall was listening right now, he would say, yeah, of course, it isn't just the final product you put out. It's how is that final product being put out? Well, there are engineers, there are songwriters, yeah. there are. Uh, video people and you have to have these people around you You have to have relationships with media you have to um, um, 
um, you have to have relationships with venues, you know, like all these different, it's like building a car, you know, uh, the engine isn't enough. It may be you're the engine and it's the, the, the priciest piece, um, but you still need the wheels and the steering wheel and, and, um, and, and all these other parts to make it fully functioning. And, and I think that's the, the missing piece. But I also think that would be easily available if we had more a training. Now, I'm not talking about just training on the job training, which is good, but also a real you know, technical training on, on how this works. And there are different ways you could kind of look up how the music business works to add value to, to um, um, the business side of your mm. creative venture. One question that I'd ask someone is like, everyone talks about being an entrepreneur everywhere else, but in the, in the spaces that as Caribbean people, we most occupy. So you have sports entrepreneurship. No one's really doing that the way, you know, American artists do it very well. And the same thing with music, because those are two things that as a Caribbean people, we, 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 they're easier. They're the lower hanging fruits because everyone gets everyone gets into music or some aspect of sports. And so, you know, it's one thing about putting out a product. There's this like you said, there's this whole marketing lead up, you know, to to the launch of a Beyonce album or, yes. you know, there's a merchandising aspect of it. It's all these other things, whereas, you know, we see from the American end that, you know, the 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 things outside the product is where a lot of artists focus on the the merchandise, the the all the other things they could buy that enhances the listeners, you know, connection to them as the brand. So I noticed that a lot of Caribbean people aren't really getting into the business of entertainment, and that could be for a variety of reasons. Just the way you know business is done in the Caribbean, or it's just no one has yet to show the value of what it is to be an entrepreneur in entertainment. Okay, so you said a lot there and you're absolutely right about it. So let me try to touch on some of these points. Um, so some people are trying to monetize outside of um, their actual music, right? And we think the bookings part is very important because that makes you more money. You have more money to hire different people and staff up your team and, and invest in you know, uh, you know clothing lines and a lot of these other secondary type pieces, right? Mm-hmm. So we think... Revenue generation is a big deal. And of course, when you're performing in other places, you know, it enhances your your brand appeal and and, you know, you build more relationships and that helps marketing as well. Right. Mm -hmm. So we think we think just by doing our app, we're kind of touching on some of these pain points that you're talking about. Um, There is and I I kind of disagree. Right. So when you say Caribbean artists like there's a lot of Caribbean artists that there's like something like a hundred Caribbean carnivals around the world now. Mm-hmm. And those things are incredibly great, not just for Caribbean culture, but the fuel that drives that is actually the music. Uh, so there is this quite natural touring route. If, if artists look at that and they try to plot out points to be booked on these different shows during all these different carnivals around the world. And I think some of the savvy artists are actually doing that. Um, so you're we kind of have a built-in touring route right now, but mm-hmm. that's really focused on, our culture and that you know it's really easy to stay within the loop mm-hmm. but nobody considers that really mainstream um it has to be bigger and you have to kind of um expand beyond that kind of niche even though it's a great niche there are there aren't space for too many quote-unquote millionaire artists in 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 our in our okay. niche right right unless and, and the carnivals are actually great places too because it's it brings people that like you your music and what you stand for and you can move 
merchandise and all those things. So I think I think looking at that as your natural touring route and actually focusing on it is something that's very important. And some artists are kind of doing. I don't know if they've planned to do that, but it's certainly something to look at. Mm-hmm. The other thing about you compare the Caribbean music industry to the American music industry. Um, and one of the things I had to do was really add, to do something like Find My Fans. We had to analyze different industries around the world, right? Because they were, all work kind of the same, but sometimes it's different. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to do this in multiple countries and just kind of find the common fruit, you know, the, the common denominator in all these countries, which eventually became Find My Fans. Uh, but the reason the American music industry is um, so much, quote unquote, better on the business side of things is just because, number one, it's just bigger. And you can actually show, you have access to more people. We're not isolated on islands. You know, you don't have to take a plane to go certain places, right? So it's so a lot of it is population density. Mm-hmm. And that equals really people, which equals revenue, right? So um, so we have a, an inherent advantage and disadvantage, like say in Trinidad or Jamaica. In one day, you can actually be the king in your country because there are limited media outposts and all, all that. And, and you can actually do that. Um, but the disadvantage is that it's still an island and it's very isolated. So that, you know, it it, it create you know, and, and the population density isn't just it really isn't there. Um, so you kind of have to branch out. And because it's small, there isn't really the incentive for people to want to get onto the business side just because there isn't enough talent and, and population density to support that talent. So I understand why it's happening. Um, but I do think we're work- we're moving into a space now where the, the you know the fact that we're islands doesn't really matter. Um, you know, travel is a little bit easier, but it does take you know it does take more of an investment on the artist side to actually do that, unless you or you've gotten somebody to to pay for your flight or something like that. So there are these, and and what we're really talking about is the economics behind the the business side of the music industry. Um, and, and that's kind of, it, go, it goes back to two things, economics and marketing, right? Understanding mm-hmm. where your market is. Right. And the market is basically the people that are willing to pay for your product and, and, and funding. They're, they're absolutely uh, intertwined. And that was really the essence behind building Find My Fans. We're, doing, we're solving those two problems. The two fundamental problems to expanding anybody's brand is getting more revenue and getting more people that would be predisposed to liking your product. Yeah. So when I was thinking about the Caribbean, I always automatically think of the diaspora. Right sure. here, I'm living, we live in the Northeast seaboard. So it's like, you know, you, you, you have a really large density of Caribbean nationals. So I, I, I look at my experiences when I, when I, you know, go to concerts or whatever, because I'm looking for that extended experience. But you're right, you know, being on islands, it's very hard. And when you're on each island, it's very hard to kind of see a bigger view because you're kind of seeing what's only happening on your little rock. So I I definitely get that aspect of it. But, you know, I've always found that the diaspora, while we're here, we, we... we, we, as much as we're in America, we are consuming things the way American artists consumes it, clearly, because that's what I'm doing. So sometimes when I spoke of, you know, raising the level of business savvy, it was kind of more to me being here in the diaspora and not necessarily. But I get well, your point. Absolutely. Okay. 100%. Fair point. And I'll talk about that. And, and, and I have, you know, I, and I've done a lot of work in the diaspora, you know, field in the background and and when we're talking about diaspora we're specifically kind of talking about caribbean diaspora but are engaged in caribbean activities right those are the easy ones to get because there's you know if you look at the music industry you know biggie and puffy 
you know, two of the biggest, you know, names in rap, you know, they have Jamaican heritage. Yes. Um, you know, there's Nicki Minaj. And so, so it's a question of, are we here already? Or, or when, when is it that we have arrived? Because it seems like we've been doing a lot, but I think the difference between the time we're living in now is a lot of those Caribbean people that have made it quote unquote big, the ones that are kind of under 40, they have no problems with kind of putting their Caribbean heritage to the forefront of yes. their identity. And I think that's a really important thing. So mm -hmm. it's, it, you know, sometimes I, sometimes it's a little bit hard for me to answer some of these questions because the lines get blurred with Caribbean, Caribbean diaspora, yeah. you know, um, and, and you know, really people that you identify as just Americans having these Caribbean roots. And I mm -hmm. think that's part of a problem too. And how do we get everybody on the same page? Yeah. Think quite naturally with the carnivals and how big they're happening uh, and, uh, in, in the U.S. I think there is... There is spillage over. I saw in the New York Post the other day, Jillionaire from Major Lazer, he got an article and the title was Liming, Trini word, mm -hmm. is the next thing for hipsters in Brooklyn. Yep. You know, so like the culture is now starting because Brooklyn is now so diverse, but it's certainly Caribbean country. Mm -hmm. um, for sure. I think, I think <laughs> you know, I think, I think, I think that has a really interesting opportunity because I think it's all going to happen in, in Brooklyn um, where that... It's it's very it's very natural for people and media especially to kind of leak over into our culture and we see that already has happened in places like Toronto yes. where Caribbean culture is just basically it's you want to be um, you want to be Caribbean out there and that's yeah. it's just so intertwined within their culture and that's how people like Drake and and Bieber they they have a access to that Caribbean influence I think Tory Lanez is another one yes Tory um, Lanez so. Um, so I think I think the movement from something separate as just being an American with Caribbean heritage, which is technically the diaspora, mm -hmm. and the the quote unquote diaspora that people talk about are those that are heavily engaged mm -hmm. in some type of Caribbean activities, which usually revolves around music. Yeah. Um. Um. I think those two bridges are being built right now. So yes. it's a really interesting time to be. Number one, living in New York and just being of this heritage. And which is why the show exists. The show, you know, yes. on, unlike <laughs> yeah, any, right. you know, it's really focused on, you know, when we are talking about Bungie and Marshall, and if you are a Caribbean American, you know, with one or two parents, but not engaged in the culture, you would probably have no idea who we're talking about. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's true. That's true. I know a few and uh, they really, I will stand up for them here for a second. It's just that, so we, we live in a time now just based on how immigration happened. Like there are a lot of people that kind of grew up here and born and bred here and they're living in, in, in spaces that don't have Caribbean um, mm -hmm. um, networks or communities to build around. Yeah. It, living in New York, that's impossible to miss. You'll have it. But there are places in Jersey and a lot of these other places that they just don't have access um, to the culture. So it's not their fault yeah. per se. It's just a matter of where they grew up and lived, and that's where they were born to, right? Yeah. Um, because their parents were the immigrants. Um, I think. I think there is just from the ones that I've talked to and I've come across, it's like they actually want to 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 explore that side of their identity because this isn't just about music, right? It's their identity. Mm -hmm. um, they want to explore that side, but they just don't know how. So I think there's a really big opportunity mm -hmm. to, 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 to do this. And, and I always say it all revolves around the music. That's the thing that binds our culture together. You know, you go to a, a, a dance hall club or you go to a club that's a, quote unquote a Jamaican club or, so, or a soca club or something like that. And they're not playing the music. It doesn't mean anything, right? Mm -hmm. It's just, it, you know, it has to, 
there that seems to be the glue. The food and the music seem to be our glue. And maybe that's really the fundamental parts of all culture. Yes, it is because I lived in the Midwest. I lived in Wisconsin for a number of years. And people always say, Wisconsin, what are Jamaicans doing in Wisconsin? I'm like, well, Chicago by Amtrak, you know, is about an hour away. So think of New York City and New Jersey or Connecticut, you know, it's it's kind of Chicago is the the next big city. How did people get there? I don't know. It was cheaper than living in Chicago. But what really got the, I feel like the Jamaican community grew was because of the food, you know, like, you know, someone decided that they wanted good food and they cooked it up. So you're right. It's usually music and food that kind of have people gather around the campfire. But um, I love this conversation. I'm so excited that you're doing this because it is, like you said, a great opportunity, especially for smaller artists who who have a following but may not have the immediate resources starting out to know where their fans are and if they're doing their bookings and all these other things. I think it's a great opportunity to reach a larger audience and to, to kind of, you know, engage the lover, not only people of the culture, but the lovers of the culture. Um, right. They, and they that's play bigger. A big rule, a big yeah. role. Yeah. And I will say one thing about the, the booking side of things. So if you look at it from the venue point of view and the diaspora point of view, if we found out that, you know, let's say a dancehall artist was big for some reason or had a significant fan base in Wisconsin, meaning people were listening to him there, but there was no Jamaican scene. I'll tell you what, you book something even in that Jamaican restaurant, mm-hmm. every Jamaican in that area would come there. So it becomes this kind of I know that for melting a fact. pot. You know that for a fact because it's a fact. Because they, because <laughs> actually those are to me the bigger opportunities. Because yes. those are the, so I live in New York, right? You live in New York too, I think? Yes, I'm in um, Brooklyn. You're in Brooklyn, I'm in Queens. And, you know, so we're kind of like, we're saturated with Caribbean culture. We can access it anytime we want. But for the people in, in, in not quite these suburban centers where there's a high Caribbean population, they'll only have one game in town. And I think that's the real advantage here. Um, when your artist that you will never get to see perform comes around, unless you travel to New York or something like that, or the Caribbean, you will go. And I think I think that scarcity is going to be the one of the things that drives our product, especially in non-city um, centers yes. around the world, around the world. And it can be the same for Chinese artists um, in Wisconsin, you know? Yep. Um, and, and I think that's the exciting part just because it crosses, um, you know, it's all cultures are pretty much very similar with their music and food tastes. Right? Yep. Yep. It sure is. Well, Ravi, thank you so much for being on the show. Before we leave, what is one takeaway that you would have for, you know, Caribbean um, entertainment entrepreneurs or someone considering getting into that um, field of entrepreneurship? Okay, so I think I think if you have a desire to do it, you have to take the leap and you just start. You start somewhere. Um, where I first started, I just walked into VP Records. So everybody knows VP yes. Records. They're, they're not far from where I live. And I just said, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to walk in and I'm going to ask to speak to somebody with no plan. And I think taking a leap like that um, um, is, is important. So take a leap, right? Uh, and you don't know where it's... You keep pulling on that string. You don't know where it's going to lead over time. And But you have to start pulling. That's number one. Number two, do not... Um, do not discount the technical training that you might need. Um, even if, and, and, and I know a lot of people, especially in the arts, they're, you know, they're heavily right-brained and, mm-hmm. and 
you know, like the idea of anything that it's learning, they, they think about school and they get immediately turned off. But there's a lot of video resources for you to look through and just spend a couple of minutes just kind of understanding what you're getting into because you're going to need that one day. And it kind of helps you even kind of narrow your focus on what you want to do in music entrepreneurship. Um, and, and it isn't just about singing on a microphone on a stage, right? There's so many different areas that are needed um, that you can kind of be in that world. Um, and maybe your skill sets are more on the business side or on the production side. But, but getting yourself into that world takes a little bit of boldness. So you just step right in and be bold. And also try to, try to be a little bit trained, especially in the Caribbean, where I've said that's a dearth of, 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 of talent um, and, and, you know, Caribbean Americans too, right? Because there's, there's a similar sensibilities between um, sure. if you're working, if you want to work in the Caribbean music industry, yeah. but that, those are the two don't discount any type of training, whatever type of training that gravitates towards you isn't, it isn't specifically reading and highlighting a book like traditional schools, but some type of training on YouTube, it's all there and, and, and just do something bold and you'll start liking it. All right. All right. There you have it, folks. Another episode in the bag and very exciting topic. I love it. I don't talk a lot about entertainment, Caribbean entertainment or entertainment on a whole, but I love it. And I'm so glad Ravi was able to come on and break down, you know, how business savvy and technology can really play an important, a crucial role for those considering being an entertainment entrepreneur or those already an entertainment entrepreneur and never really thought of this side. So as I love to see at the end of the show, walk good. Okay, friends, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Carry On Friends podcast. For a recap of this episode and other great articles, please visit the blog at www.carryonfriends.com. That's C-A-R-R-Y-O-N-F-R-I-E-N-D-S.com. Thank you for tuning in to Carry On Friends. Before I go, remember, Caribbean Legal Solutions connects you with experienced and vetted attorneys across the Caribbean, ensuring that you or your family or friend find reliable help back home to deal with land issues, wills, and probate matters. Their network spans Jamaica, Trinidad, Guyana, Grenada, Dominica, Barbados, St. Vincent, and more. Visit CaribbeanLegalSolutions.com and give them a call today. This ad contains general information about Caribbean Legal Solutions and is not intended to be legal advice. As always, consult with a qualified attorney for legal advice specific to your situation.